National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon. They can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast today, a very special guest, Lieutenant Dave Quick. When I open up the podcast, I typically have a story or two about guys, and, you know, there's like a personal uh, friendship and relationship that's developed over weeks, months, years, leading into doing an episode with them. Dave, you are one of those guys that popped up on my radar. We were just chatting off uh, before we started recording uh, but man, you and I've had some really good interaction and, uh, and they were like impromptu, not planned, not scheduled conversations, but you and I, when we get at it, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I always enjoy our conversations. Well, man, I appreciate you for being here today on the podcast and just giving me a little bit of your time. I think you have a lot to bring to the table and I'm looking forward to the conversation. couple things, 28 years in the American fire service, 19 years with the Manchester, New Hampshire, Fire Department currently serving as a lieutenant at an engine company, which makes perfectly good sense because you are a hose nerd. 
Uh, and and well, I say that with the the utmost kindness. And we're gonna absolutely. we're gonna hop down. We're gonna go down that trail uh, for sure. Um, and so, and then, you know, also outside of Mercedes, you do a little bit of writing and teaching, but you also, uh, represent and work with Mercedes textiles, which is a hose manufacturer, um, who you are doing consultation on like special projects, um, which I think is really cool because it takes, takes your knowledge, skill set, and abilities and brings it to the table to educate the consumer about the product. It's not a sales position right yeah correct so i go out and i'll uh, perform demos sometimes i will just to talk to people on the phone about you know what they're looking to do and try to pair them in a hose and nozzle package that's going to work best for them based on the products that we have and uh, like to your point it's just, it's mostly education so i like that part of it it's not sales or commission and um at the end of the day mercedes wants to make sure that uh whatever Hose someone's purchases, whether it's theirs or someone else, at least they're making a good decision. Because uh, as you and I both know, when you got to deploy that line, it's about getting water on the fire as quickly as, as you can. And uh, every manufacturer makes something good. So as long as you're putting it together and makes you successful on the fire ground, that's really uh, what we care about. Yeah, but there's so much to it. And it's not talked about enough. And I think what's exciting is to watch you work the training ground. I've seen you at a couple different conferences now where you're shadowing instructors and helping and almost being like a second chair to the, to the lesson while educating the firefighters about the importance of the correct hose and nozzle pairings and the selection of packages and the GPMs desired for whatever your fire flow targets are. Like there's a lot of math and science that goes into determining the right package, especially the right hose. And a lot of times we take for granted that whatever's on the engine is what we use. And, and the people that are planning and the people that are buying need to be educated in, but it's, it's just like buying a piece of apparatus or buying turnout gear and knowing the parameters of it. Hose is not one of those commodity items. Hose should be tested, tried, and then valued to determine what the best fit is for your company. Talk a little bit about the importance of that. Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree more, Jeremy. You know, if you look at it, uh, 10 years ago, hose was just considered a commodity. And uh, one of the things that really changed it was the fire in Back Bay, uh, where Michael Kennedy and Ed Walsh died on Beacon Street. And out of that, it really put a new focus on fire hose. And what I've noticed over the last 10 years uh, is folks are putting more and more time into it. And there's a lot of really good information out there. There's a lot of really great resources out there. You know, you look at things like engine company resurrection and honestly, all the manufacturers out there are realizing that the fire service is a community and it's not about making widgets. It's about being there for each other and making sure at the end of the day that, you know, you've got something in your hands that's going to work for you. So uh, the progression has been good. I sit on the NFPA technical committee on fire hose representing the end user. I've been on that committee since 2014 or 15 now. And um, it's been good, you know, as a guy that loves the engine and loves water and the numbers and everything else. Uh, it's nice well, to see folks coming back to this part of the craft. And that's why I need guys like you because I'm not right. So like, I'm not a numbers guy. I am not a technical guy when it comes to specification in, in hose, I should say apparatus is a different animal for me as I'm mm. sure everybody listening knows, but you know, for the equipment itself, like I come to rely on others to tell me what, 
what homework's been done and, and what the recommendation and ideas are. And I think that's an important message because not everybody could be fluent and a master at everything. And so you need to be disciplined in understanding what you don't know or what you're not good at so you can rely on other people to help you formulate a correct decision based upon experience and, and testing. Yeah, for sure. And what I really like that's happening now, too, is I see more and more folks that are looking at their own communities, their own department makeups, their own apparatus, their own uh, occupancies and stretch lengths, and they're building packages that are designed for them. You know, you always hear firefighting is local and uh, now having the opportunity to work with Mercedes and do the consulting nationwide. Now more than ever, do I see that. And there is no one size fits all. Yeah, you know, maybe target flows and whatnot for residentials is similar across the country. And we know that based on the UL studies. But I love the fact that people are looking to see what's going to work for them and no longer just saying, well, it works for the neighboring department. So I'm going to go out and mimic that. Yeah. And educate. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer and you've heard me say this, that an educated consumer is the best consumer, right? We want, especially in this, and you mentioned something before that caught my ear and the fact of the word community matters to me more than most words. Um, what does community mean to you? Well, uh, I guess it depends on the context in which we're talking about. No, you know, I, if I look at right. just the fire service community, you know, from, from that side of it, to me, it's about sharing information and having those people out there that you can rely on to get the information. Uh, I just heard a great podcast uh, with Jay Bonifields on um, the weekly scrap. And one of the things he was talking about is every fire department should have someone that is like into that one thing and takes that information, right. And distills it down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you need guys like yourself that are really into the apparatus. So when I come in and I say, Hey, you know what, what do your hose beds look like? You can say, blah, 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 right? This is how we're going to lay it out. And then I come in and I say, all right, Jeremy, let's look at the width of the hose and how high it's going to be stacked, right? So you've got that, you've got your hose person, maybe that's dealing with the other part of it. And together you distill that down to the members and, and give them the nuts and the bolts and say, hey, you know what, this is why it's going to work for us. We've gone out, we've tried it, we've tested it, and we've reached out to all of these people. And uh, so as far as the fire service community, that's what I love, the conferences and networking and meeting all these people. But I think from the firehouse and the fire floor, I think that the community means taking care of the citizens. And uh, we were talking right offline a little bit beforehand, but to me, you know, we hear for them and, and the citizens and whatnot. And you hear folks say all the time, you know what, I'm going to go into that building. Um, it's vacant. And it's, I'm going to assume that it's occupied until I say otherwise. And if I die going in there looking for that person, so be it. You know what? I'm here for them. And I'm a thousand percent on board with that, you know, um, totally buy in. But I think sometimes we forget about the for them means, you know, probably the 98% of the time that we're not going into the fire and doing that search and realizing that, um, you know, the community is who we're there for. And although we may not think it's uh, an emergency or whatnot, sometimes we're all that those people have. So um, community is important to me. I talk to my guys all the time. You know, I always say when we look out those bay doors in the morning that uh, those are our people for 24 hours. And regardless of what they call us for, we're going to show up in three to six minutes and, and try to make a difference somehow in their life. You always been that way? In, no, in regards you know to the in regards to the service aspect, right? I agree with you. Like, let me let me preface that before before I push you on that, right? Where where I, where I'm headed with the conversation is, I don't necessarily understand when all of a sudden this for them thing became a thing. Like, it's always been 
for them, quote unquote, right? And like, I don't understand why we've had to title it and, and make a point of having to discuss that when in fact that's what this job is all about to begin with, right? And so I get a little confused every time I hear that because it makes me think like, well, isn't that what this job is? Like when you take that oath and you take that and you make that commitment to serving your community, whether paycheck or no paycheck, you make that commitment. And at some point we had to get cute and put a title to it. But in fact, Dave, isn't this what the job is? Oh, I I a thousand percent think it's what the job is, but I don't know that you know that uh, when you're getting into the job. You know, I was having a great conversation with our assistant chief the other day at the kitchen table, and, you know, he does all the interviews, and he said, you know, Dave, he goes, everyone comes in, and they say, because we were having this conversation, and he says, you know, everybody comes in, I want to help the community, I want to help the community, and he goes, you know what, no, you want to go to fires, Yep. and um I, you know what I think's changed, Jeremy? You're right. I think, you know, it has always been about them. And if you look back at, you know, Ray McCormick's keynote, that's, you know, the most so famous, good, you know, so right? good. it is. Yeah. And, you know, we lo- I think we lost our way for a little bit. And I think we've come back to the other side where we're talking about for them and making whatever sacrifice it is to go get them, you know, in a fire or in a pinned car or whatever else the case may be. But I still think um, we've forgotten about the other part of it. Oh, that, for sure. Uh, we have that ability. You know, I, I always say every time those bay doors go up and we roll out for whatever the reason is, it might not even be for a call, right? Going to the grocery store, we have an opportunity to make someone's life better. Whether I that's agree with through you. a smile, whether that's through them being broken down on the side of the road. Um, I, 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 could, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree back. with you more. And and if we, I guess if we have to throw a title onto something now, because that's just where we are, I, I hate to have to do that. But if, if that's how we're going to get people to pay attention to what the mission of the American Fire Service is about, I, I guess that's what we have to do. But I guess, I think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think too, you know, um, at least in the city where I work, you know, we're 115,000 people. It's an old mill city in New England. We're about 50 miles north of Boston. We're the largest city and job north of the city of Boston. Right. And, you know, we've got our fair share of uh, heroin and fentanyl. And, you know, we've had all the documentaries here, the BBC and uh, CNN and and everybody else riding along. You know, Nightline, uh, a lot of crime, a lot of shootings and things like that. And I think um, the job has changed too, right? So if you think back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know what, we were doing a lot of fires and some other things. And now what I see, especially with the homeless population that we have and uh, slumlords and, and whatnot, you know, what we're seeing is that we're the people that they're calling, that the service has changed. You know, it's it's more on the social work side maybe than it is the I'll say, quote, unquote, true emergency, because at the end of the day, the people that call this, they're calling for a reason. Um, And to them, it is an emergency. But so I think we're coming back around on that. Um, I'm glad to see it's at least on the fire side to begin with. And and hopefully we can keep pushing the other side and remind folks that regardless of what the reason is, when you go out that door, just put a smile on your face and uh, help out whoever you can for that time. So you're a boss now. Yep. Before you were a boss. I mean, did you did you believe in this? I mean, we're in the service aspect. I know. Your heart's always been there for, you know, providing fire service and protection for for the citizens and residents that you protect. Not disputing that. But the service aspect of it, it's hard to get the common theme within a department to understand how important every single community action is and how you represent yourself in the department in the eyes of the poorest to the richest 
to the drug dealers and drug users to the to the most prominent politician in town. The service needs to be top shelf. For sure. I think um, I was just like every firefighter. You know, you get into the job, and at least in my department, we talk about that years three through eight are probably the, the time where either you have, you, you kind of keep the folks or you lose them. You know, the first three years, you're gung-ho, you're into it, you want to help everybody, you want to go on runs, and by year three, you have just enough experience to sort of be dangerous, and you start getting comfortable, and maybe you care more about following what some other folks are saying so you can fit in, and there's that time, right? Some folks either decide to stay the course and continue on to where they want to go, and then we find a lot of folks that kind of die off, and and then sometime around year nine or ten, maybe, you start to come back and go, boy, you know, I really wasted those six or seven years, and I would say that I probably fell into that realm myself. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. I think when I was probably bitter and, and, and whatnot and salty or whatever you want to call it, uh, former chief of department who was a lieutenant at the time said to me, you know, Dave, we're all one or two bad decisions away from being in the same place uh, as those people that you're shitting all over right now. And I think that kind of um, hit home and started my progression to a different thought process. And uh, over the last couple of years, that's profound, uh, man. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I just, like, I'm, I wrote that down. I actually timestamped that because I, I think that that's super profound. So who was that, your assistant chief? No, our former chief of department. Your former chief. Parent. Okay. He just retired. He was uh, one of my very first lieutenants when I was bouncing around the city and covering someone on sick leave. And um, I ran into him, you know, a few years later. And like I said, I probably wasn't at my best and, you know, working in, I've always worked in low-income areas of the city. And, you know, you kind of get to that point and, and he said that, and I was like, man, I'm like, he's right. You know, it doesn't take too much, and you can lose everything you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, it, wow. So what? So through conversations like that, and I'm sure surrounding yourself with some people that, uh, that believe in that mantra, if you will, it can help you get out of that rut. I mean, when you get uh, – we've all been in ruts, right? It just depends on how deep and how, and, and how hard you're willing to steer out of one, right? And like, so you were there and, and you were in that rut and, and what did it take for you to get out of that and, and to really put a new face or a new twist on what this job's really all about? Oh, I mean, that's a good question. I would say definitely hearing that to start with, um, maybe three or so years ago, four years ago, some folks started turning me on the podcast and I kind of got out of my New England bubble and I started to listen to folks and you know, one of the one of the people that probably finally, you know, dro- drove that nail home for me was Mo Davis from uh, the city of Houston, having the opportunity to meet him back in uh, April in the uh, Woodlands when we were down there for yeah. the Joey B. Lone Star Conference. Yeah, I was there. And then just get, yeah, it was great, right? And, uh, you know, just getting to talk to those guys and, and listening to the podcast and, and, you know, just hearing him talk about that, you know what, at the end of the day, the fire engine, you know, that's the community's fire engine. And if the kid wants to climb on it, who are we to say no to that kid? Um, you know, he talks about the woman who wanted to thank them and had no money and, and invited them in for some hood juice, you know, and yeah. I, I guess, Jeremy, you know, two things that I realized, number one, it, it's a lot easier to be negative than it is to be positive. But when you actually try to be positive a little bit and you go into the firehouse every day and say, you know what, for the time that I'm here, whether that's a 10 hour, a 14 hour, uh, an overtime, my regular shift, um, looking at it from this perspective has given me a lot better job satisfaction 
and has allowed me to take a step back and, and not judge folks for whatever it is. You know, I think uh, there was a keynote from Billy Goldfeder that always uh, I always come back to, too. You know, he talks about the fact that people might not look like you, smell like you, act like you. But at the end of the day, uh, someone loves them or used to love them yeah. or cares about them. And I see that all the time in my city. You know, we have a lot of homeless and they're out there. They're trying to Narcan their buddy that overdosed. And when someone dies in that community, man, they're they're crying right alongside. And you quickly realize they're just as human as yeah, you and I people. are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and, uh, so do you, yeah. do you do you like the job more now? I love the job more now. Uh, like I said, having that perspective has definitely turned it around. And, uh, you know, we went on a run last night and uh, a woman says, hey, I think we have these old parlor heaters here. I don't know if the folks out there listening know what those are. They're old gas and they're in the middle of the living room and uh, they're old. They're, yeah. they're, the, the, the buildings in my first due are from the early 1900s. And some of the some of the ways they heat the homes are still with those same those same heaters and the dust gets on there. We get a call for, you know, uh, it smells like smoke when she turns it on. So she's scared. She's got four kids. Sure. So we show up and we talk to her and, you know, we're like, Hey, we're going to light this up and we're going to make sure and we don't get any kind of odor. And she comes back and says, you know, I, we, as we, you know, we say, give the, give the uh, landlord a call and, and have him come out and service this. She goes, he doesn't answer the phone. And she goes, I had an issue. I had a little electrical fire in here and I called and he told me the next time I called, he was going to find me. I was going to pay it. So, you know what? You look at it. We get the heat up and going. She's got four kids. And on the way out, she's got a smoke detector that's hanging down. So she goes, you mind taking care of that for me real quick? Yeah, no problem. So, you know what? The truck goes down. They get a little step ladder. They put it back up. To us, it took two minutes. But to her, she can go to bed knowing that her yeah. heater works. We, we metered and monitored. You made right? a difference. So we, we made a difference. And I guess when you look at it that way, you know what? Was it anything? No, nah, it was a nothing call, right? It was just someone that didn't understand how the heater worked. But to her, she could sleep good at night. Her kids had heat for the night. And she didn't have to interact with the landlord that was going to do nothing about it and give her a hard time. Yeah, so. and you know what happens 12 years from now or 14 years from now, her oldest son or daughter becomes a firefighter because of that interaction. Sure. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that, that's, yeah. that's the, that to me is what's so important is you don't know when it's going to come back around, but I firmly believe it does. And I, I think that is why it is so important. And listen, I've been listen, I've been caught in plenty of ruts and I've gotten in places where I had a bad attitude. I've gotten in heated conversations with residents and all. I mean, we've all been there and and I'm not claiming to be anything more than I am. I'm I'm human too. But I try to make a point of it more and more and I think it comes with more time and experience and maturity. And I I've been talking about maturity a lot lately, but I think it matters. Hmm. I think maturity through the course of a career or in a volunteer house, your career in a volunteer service or your career in a paid service, you know, career services, like it, it, it matters, right? And, and as time ticks on, you mature as a human being, not just as a firefighter, but as a human being. And I find myself being much more compassionate and honest and vulnerable and open and willing to help than I've ever been before. And, and, and my patience, I have more patience today than I've ever had. And I think that comes with maturity. And so to get back to where I was going with this, you never know what a quick smile or grab the, grab the th uh, three foot step ladder and put that smoke detector back up on the ceiling or put a new battery in it or, you know, or help a, a woman to have heat for her children. You never know where that comes back around. For sure. You know, I think about it a lot where my dad told me from when I was young, getting into the service, he said, you never know the seed you plant, you know, whether yeah. that's from being in the firehouse with 
a probie or being out in the public. And man, you're right. I, and I think you're right. I think it's age and wisdom. And uh, you just look at things from a different lens and you realize um, at the end of the day, just do what's right. You know, do what's right when no one's looking. Do you and, talk about that? I mean, do you talk about it with your guys? I mean, do you have, like, if your guys listen to this podcast when it comes out, whether this week, next week, I'm not sure where it lands on the schedule, but mm-hmm. when this podcast comes out and your guys know that you're on it, are they going to listen to this and be like, holy shit, like, I never heard them talk about that before? Or is this a topic that, like, you bridge more? And I don't mean to put you on a spot with that, but, like, no. I think it's important to talk about this aspect of it. I'll say I'm a good and shitty officer because um, I'm an open book with them. So we actually had this conversation yesterday. Um, we had a run the other day where uh, we had an overdose and a guy just got out of rehab the day before, had graduated the program after 40 days of being clean, back home with mom. And there was a new EMT that was bagging and uh, you know not doing the best job, not because she was not good, she was just green, 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 right? Yeah. So. Um, you know, the medic had to make a few corrections and maybe took a little bit longer than what we would have liked. So we actually had this conversation yesterday. And, um, you know, I told them, I said, if you see something that, you know, doesn't look quite right, regardless of if it's another company that's doing something or they don't have the right equipment or it's on the scene of a medical call, we have uh, a private medical service that comes into the city. So it's not our folks, which can make it, you know, difficult too, right? Because you're sure. not with the same agency. Right. You know, I said, just jump in there and do what's right. You know, here's his mother that obviously cares about her son. Um, she told us that she had kicked him out years past because she had to make a decision whether she was going to, you know, let him be there and be a user or say enough and give him some tough love. But at the end of the day, she brought him back home because he graduated and yes. wanted to try to, you know, keep him clean. And, you know, I brought it back to if it, you're right, it's not our responsibility, so to speak, to train that person that's there. I shouldn't say it's not our job to train the person that's there, but it's our responsibility to make sure that we give the patient the best care. And yes. if that means that we have to ruffle feathers and step in there. So, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Uh, like I said, I'm an open book with my guys. Uh, I try to tell them what my thought process is so that way they know where I'm coming from. Yeah. And um, I think it makes a big difference. I think that they're I think that they're on the same page. They at least act act that way. You know, they're very good with the public. Yeah. I think it's important, too, that, you know, um, actions speak louder than words. Right. That that old uh, that old saying. Mm -hmm. And and I I very much believe it's true for you to to talk about things like that uh, with your crew and with other guys in the company and department. You have to you have to believe in it yourself because you have to demonstrate be out front of everyone else and showing how important compassion and smile and community matters. And, uh, and I think that's important, Dave. And I I've seen you on the training grounds be super, super in tune with the, with the uh, instructors and the students. I hate saying students. What do you call them when you go to conferences and it's people taking the class? I hate calling them students. <laughs> I Is, don't know. I guess I haven't been enough there. I we got to come up with a different term. term. We got to come up with so, a different I think I say students, but whenever I'm teaching at the fire academy, we've been rolling out this new uh, fire dynamics class that we put together based on the UL research. Yeah, I had the opportunity to go to that boot camp, and now when I talk in the front of that class, I say, "Look, this isn't fire one or fire two. I said we're peers. Yeah, and we're peers. here sharing information. Like so that. to me, it's just peers, you know, um, because and you hear it all the time, and folks probably think it's cliche, but you know the the instructors. I don't know the people there that are leading the information sharing, get information back from the students. You know, I think it's a two-way conversation, especially at those conferences. They're not 
they're not students, right? They're they're there for some continuing education, and I think it goes both ways. 100%, man, 100%. And I was talking about this, and that's a fun segue because you and I basically have had these conversations, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I remember uh, it was funny. You mentioned the Woodlands before, uh, Joey D in the Woodlands, um, and you talked about your interactions with Mo Davis there. And Mo's a friend, and I've gotten to know him over the last few years, and I value him and his opinions and his approach more than most only because it's completely genuine and and oh, he's yeah. a, he's an incredible individual once you really get to know him but what you see and what he portrays on the outside is 100% who he is on the inside and there there's there's only one Mo Davis as he talks about himself in the third person he's absolutely right there's only you know and <laughs> and so i i love that about him and it's authentic mm-hmm. and real and that's important and you and i were chatting uh and then so that was the woodlands when we first met and i do want to tell that story too but we'll get to that then yeah. We've chatted a bunch. Uh, FDIC, we worked on a project together with Mercedes uh, mm-hmm. and so on, and uh, and that was fun to, to spend some time with you there. And then Firehouse Expo just recently, back in, what, October, I think it was? Um, yeah. Impromptu, yeah. like, hey, we're in town, and uh, we were Rob and I were grabbing lunch, and uh, you happened to come over, grab I said, sit down, let's do a beer. We had a really good conversation, and that conversation was a lot about um, – transparency, authenticity, um, and relationship building. Right. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I know for you, you had mentioned when I said to you about the podcast, I said, come on, let's, let's come on the podcast. Let's talk about a bunch of shit. And I said, what do you want to talk about? And you mentioned organic relationships. And I was like, holy shit, that is a (laughs) fan. No, it's a fantastic, fantastic conversation. And an important topic that I think we need to dive into right now and the importance of, of letting relationships happen. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so I think it really all started for me about 18 months ago. I, I transferred down to the engine company that I'm in and me and my crew, man, we had a really, really rocky start. Um, you know, some, some sit downs, they sat me down for an intervention and, uh, you know, some silent treatment and some other stuff. And I'm not talking out of school. They know that when these kinds of things come up or I'm talking in the company officer program that, you know what, our story is going to come up. And before I go on, remind me to come back around to that. Yeah. Um, I got a yeah. chance to, to chat. I got a chance to teach in the company officer program in New Hampshire, the state of New Hampshire. And I only teach in the first day, which is that transition from firefighter to a uh, company officer. And what I was able to do was to bring my senior man with me, who's got 22 years on. That's cool. And we, t- we, uh, we team taught that. So that way the students could see the perspective of the senior man and how to best interact because we didn't have that relationship when uh, we started out back in July, but now we're ridiculously tight. So, um, so coming back to the beginning, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah organic, organic, uh, relationships, you know, what I've, what I've learned through the Mercedes thing, um, like we talked about, and I'll be open here, especially for those that are trying to, uh, I don't want to say make a name for them, but try to break out into, you know, maybe some more regional or national stuff. You know, I thought maybe that just being there as the Mercedes guy might, uh, just get me in the door a little faster and not to try to ascend to, speaking or teaching but just sort of to be you know friendlier and and whatnot and i think i thought that you know those kinds of things happen right away and as we talked about in columbus you realize that that doesn't happen and what i started to see was folks that got that rapid ascent also had a very rapid decline as well and what i've learned over the last three years 
you know, if you let the relationship stay their course and it's not like, you know, social media or um, I don't know, swipe and left, swipe and right, whatever the case may be, um, you realize that you genuinely start to build these relationships and it takes time. And that's the best part of it. You know, it's, it's that growing together and sort of getting to know each other, you know, whether that's through your crew or teaching on the side or, you know, trying to assimilate into a group, it takes time. And the more organic you are, the more open you are, the more transparent you are, and the more honest you are, the better it is. Yeah, it takes some time. But man, looking back on it, um, the ride's been fantastic, both with my guys in the firehouse and um, on the outside. Well, the process matters, right? Because the, the process of it has to happen naturally because when you force the process... It's not true. You use the word honest, I believe, and I, I think that's a fantastic word, right? Is that it's it's when when things happen organically and naturally, it's just real, and real is honest, uh, and I think that matters. And I think that part of part of what we're lacking now more than ever is people willing to be a part of a process or trust the process or even understand that there needs to be. A process because when when we're when we're in a society that we're trying to speed things up and we want immediacy we want things now and we don't have and we lack the patience of understanding that it takes time the process then suffers or there's a lack thereof and therefore the relationship is not true it's not honest and it's not real and so, you know, the conversation that you and I had in Columbus was a lot of fun because, you know, I gave you a lot of background about like what we've done here at National Fire Radio and how it's taken us almost five years to get to where we are today. And we really haven't gotten anywhere yet. And no, you know, I don't know if that's true. Well, but this, I don't think that's true. I, I can tell you this, right? I didn't know what was in store for us. And I'm very proud of where we are today. And I, and I know that's through the hard work of Sebi, Rob, myself, and the others that help with the platform. And it's through a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, no doubt. But I, from day one, was all about trusting the process and let it happen naturally because that's the only way you're going to be authentic in a business that requires authenticity, right? I mean, speak to speak about it with your company. I mean, you know, to bring it back around, like you said, I mean, there were hiccups in the beginning, right? And, and it took time. It took time to be real, to develop relationships with your crew that now is probably much tighter than it was from the day you stepped in. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. And um, I'd like to touch on that again. In a yeah, yeah, yeah. To go back. I'm going to flip the tables here on you. Please. One of the things that you said that I just wrote down here was you didn't know where it was going to take you. And what I've realized through my fire service career now is that it, it hasn't been, I never planned it out. Yep. Right. So I, I would have been perfectly fine riding the back step for the rest of my career, but you know what? I had a great mentor in Greg Schwinnard, who was my company captain at engine six. I spent the first 15 years of my career there. I loved it. I was on the West side with people that cared about the job that fostered um, an environment of trying different things. And if you failed, okay, you learned how to do something maybe a different way that was better, or at least you learned that wasn't so good. And it reinforced why what you were doing was good. Right. And um, I didn't, I didn't seek out Mercedes. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't look to do any of these things. And I think when there isn't that plan and teaching in the company officer program, I see folks that come through on a regular basis. They've got, you know, they're three years on the job, like, okay, in two years, I'm going to be a lieutenant. And then in four years, I'm going to be a captain. 
and then I'm going to take my EFO and then, and then, man, I don't think the rise is fun. I think when you let it come naturally to you, uh, you enjoy it so much more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that, and that's the thing. And I think the, a lot of the fun is the unknown, right? Because then, you know, you start to fill in the gaps and you start to relationships start to, to form. And as those relationships form, new doors open and new opportunities open. And frankly, like we all know this, right? I mean, this industry, we call bullshit right up front, man. Like if you're not true and authentic and you're not there for the right reasons or, or you know, uh, there's something there's something a little bit shady or slimy about you, you're not getting – the doors aren't going to open for you. And and it's found out pretty quick. And, you know, we, other words we talk about, character, integrity, all those things. I mean, you know, it, it's we're, – we're a no-bullshit industry. And or I hate using that term industry. We're a no-bullshit job. And, and so, you know, it matters. And – I just think that the the organic relationships are just a part of the process and of the job. And in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, whatever year career you want to put in, in any type of firehouse that you might be in, the relationships are what you dwell on when you leave the job. And yeah. those relationships matter. And I think that's what keeps people on the job longer than maybe they ever thought they were going to. You know, I don't, I think there's a lot of folks that have a lot of time on the job that could walk away from the rig and not get back on it, go do all the things we talked about, you know, to begin the podcast. Yeah. But I think it's hard to leave the kitchen, man. I think it's hard to, you know, walk out of there because, you know what, at the end of the day, I've seen it now. I've got 19 years in Manchester and now people that I worked with, you know, very closely, they retire. And what does everybody say? Oh, we'll get coffee. We'll get a beer. I don't see those people anymore, man. Right. Like when they're out the door, they go do their thing. You're doing your thing. You're moving on to the next thing and it doesn't happen. So I think there's that fear of, you know, what am I going to do when I walk out of here? What else are you going to do or where are you going to go that has the same kind of relationships that you have in the firehouse? I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. So talk to me now. I mean, you said that you like the job more now than ever, and it's because you've learned to trust the process, dive into the process, understand the 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 importance of uh you know service and community and and for them right and and all of yep. that why is the job so good for you like why do you oh, why do man. you love it so much and why it, it can it has and i would assume it does consume you because outside of when you can leave the firehouse and do something else you're still doing more of this why yeah um can I say I don't know? Yeah, hundred percent. But talk through, through it, though. Right here. Yeah, talk, talk through, through it. it. Um, yeah. What What is it? Um, I do enjoy the. So why do I love the job more now than ever? Number one, I think the job, at least in my in my city, has changed in the nineteen years that I've been there. We went from this, you know, you walk in the firehouse, sit down, kid, shut up. Uh, you know, we'll tell you when you can talk. You know, go wash the dishes. This is why we. This is what we do. Don't ask me why we do it. It's because this is what we do, and you're going to do it because that's what we Did do. Did you? Is that and what it was like 19 years ago for you? It was um, from that part of it, and then it was. I was working with some folks that weren't overly enthused about the job. Yeah. So you know, we watched a lot of movies, and I will say too, you know, it wasn't part of it was the culture, you know, it, well, I don't know that it was those people either at that time. It may have just been the timing where, you know, the department wasn't really expecting much out of guys that's other than getting on the rig. Yo, that's, that's why I want to talk through this. That's a great topic right there. 
Talk you know, talk so, about that some more, Dave, because that is a, that's a thing. You could have some of the best people in the world, but if it's just culturally not how it's not how it is, or at the time the department didn't challenge or push their people, or it was just status quo, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, I think you know what I think really happened, Jeremy, was you know they went through that time where they were going a lot of work, and there was that point where guys weren't really going out drilling or passing a whole lot of info down because they were getting yes. all that on the job experience. And now as fires go down, those older guys are like, man, I don't need to go out and do that stuff. I've just been doing that for the last 20 years. Hey, kid, just sit down. You know what? We'll tell you what to do when you get there. And it's sort of just, you know, maybe they were tired and they had the experience. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to ride this thing out, man. I'm beat up and I want to get out of here. So I know my own job, we went through that little bit of lull where there weren't a whole lot of expectations. And then we started to climb out of it. You know, a guy that I absolutely love is Aaron Fields. And I love that he talks about water boiling from the bottom and, and how guys can make a difference. So we started to get a little bit younger. And the thing that motivates me the most now, I think it really started four years ago when I got promoted. Um, so I had 15 years on the job and I'm bouncing around the city. And at that point, we were starting to get these retirements. And now, man, we're like with 19 years on the job, I probably got 130 guys below me out of 196 line guys, maybe got go. 120 below yeah. me, right? Yeah. So those guys are what got me back into it, right? I'd walk in as a bouncing boss, and they're like, hey, Luke, can we go out and do this? And you're like, whoa, you know, my head's like all over the place. And I think That's as exciting. we started to – it is. And as we started to promote younger officers and we started to get younger guys on the job and we had these people that were fresh out of the academy and they're really into it, I think it becomes contagious. And I saw it, um, you know, this winter. Uh, my senior guy, 22 years, man. Uh, one of my, my middle guys. So I got three guys plus myself on my engine. Unfortunately, I got four, you know, it's four man engine. And my middle guy was, uh, out on, on, get his knee scoped. So out on sick leave, I guess, not job related. And we had a probie and to see my senior man with 22 years say, Hey, I'm going to go out and show this kid this while you're taking care of the paperwork. You know, it was awesome. And I think that's what keeps me going. It's these guys that have a thirst for the job. And I think there's a responsibility that comes with being a company officer. You know, when you go to promote the books, say it, I think it's true. You know, you got to take care of them. And, and what is it that they want to do? Uh, I'm in a twilight, man. I'm hoping to do 30. So, you know, maybe another 10 years or so to go two thirds of the way through, yeah. you know, we got to get this information passed down to, to those other folks. And, um, so I think it's that I always tell them all the time, man, I'm super envious of them getting on the job now, because I think at one point we had 25 probies, you know, a year or less on the job and they're mm. all getting on together. Yeah. And I see them, they were just down at the, um, the training down in New Haven. And a couple guys from my company went to the standpipe stuff out on the Island in August. And one of the guys was down at Joey D. And so they have access to all of this great education. They have access to everything on social media and the thing that I think is is the most, and like you said, um, with being genuine, is they can reach out to any big name they want to via social media, and they're going to get a response back. And I think that ties back into the same thing you talked about earlier with, you know, smelling bullshit. Let's be honest. There's going to be someone that's going to listen to the podcast, hang up, and call someone from Manchester and go, is Dave really what he portrays himself to be? I don't think you can get away with the bullshit anymore. Can't. You know, you're either who you are or you're not, and people are going to find out pretty fast. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and now I think that's the fun part about today is transparency is now more important than ever because 
Man, I'll tell you, you're full of shit. You stink like shit. Guys know. And, and and that stuff gets snuffed out so fast and your your character's gone. You know, your your uh, stature and position is gone. So, yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That was exciting. That was just an exciting few minutes there for you talking about that. because <laughs> No, I mean that because the follow-up question was going to be like, do you enjoy being an officer? I love it. I think it's the best uh, spot in the firehouse, especially, and I'll caveat it again, you know, especially being on a four man engine company. I was a boss on a three man engine company before I moved to, to the company I'm with now. We have, you know, a couple with four and the rest have three and you get the opportunity to actually be an engine boss. Yeah. And I like it. You know, I got, I got a, I, the, my crew's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to name them just because I think that they deserve it. Steve Gupel, Sean Lopez and Sam Torgin, man, they're, they're awesome. And, you know, like I said, we went through our, our bumps and, and whatnot, but it certainly made us tighter. And uh, I think it's good. You know, part of it's selfish because I can say, hey, you know what I want to go try and do today? And they sort of have to go with you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. So so um, Loper or John, you know, he's on the lieutenant's list right now. And um, so we're working th- we're working through that, I say. So, you know, I'm, I'm even more transparent with him because there's a chance that he might get promoted. At some and point. you know what's amazing just with that conversation, Dave, is the fact that you want that for your guy. You have a great company right now. Everybody knows how you how you guys operate together. You guys are comfortable with each other. And all you want for him is to promote out and do better. I do. I want the best for all of them. I told him that, you know, when I got there. If there's a company that they want to go to, you know, we still have a couple, well, at least one in my, in my house, a standalone truck company with four, and we have a heavy rescue with four. Yeah. If that's something that you want to do, let's get you to, to that spot. You know, this job uh, goes too quickly and, as we know, can be over in the blink of an eye. So I want everyone to enjoy it and want to come to work wherever that might be. You know, I don't want to lose any one of them. Speaks volumes. Is, Speaks volumes, man. Yeah. So I like that. I like being able to sort of plan the day out a little bit. I like being able to help them to get where they want to get to. And uh, I don't know. I, I I love the back step, and it's good. But I, I yeah. love being a company officer. I think I think it's fun. I can hear it in your voice just by the way you're talking about it. <laughs> and then the excitement that you you your your tone changed, and you got super excited when you started talking about these young kids kicking you in the ass to get you more motivated. I love that, right? And I think that that's the sign of a just a renaissance, if you will, a change when, you know, you have an influx like that and you could, it's two ways, man. You either hop in and go all in on them or you shoo them aside. And, you know, to go all in on your new, new group coming through that new generation, if you will, that's gotta be so exciting, especially when you can put 25 guys on at one time and you have a, a generational, influx of guys i mean it's like one fifth year department i think right or something like that so or maybe yeah, you know around there yeah right so i mean that's got to be exciting and for that to drive and push you that just speaks to who you are i freaking love that man talk to me about the influence that you have with mercedes and being able to go to these different conferences what that allows you to do for your own personal gain and satisfaction in the job meaning when you come back from a conference doing uh hose and nozzle packages and pairing and working with some great instructors to bring that back to your own company and then to manchester as a as a department what is what does that do for you um well it does it does a lot and my department probably like many doesn't have the financial means to support folks going to 
conferences. Yes. So um, going back to something earlier, you know, I think one thing, if there's folks listening that are going to be teaching at these conferences or hosting it, what they really have to realize is that, you know, as much fun as it is for us to go out, right, we have a good time at night. Sometimes we stay out a little bit too late. You know, there's a lot of people that have paid a lot of money to, you know, show up to your station or to, you know, come to that conference out of pocket, time away from their family. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier about people coming and it, it is peer to peer. We owe them, you know, to, to give them the best information. If they want a few extra reps at the end of the day or at lunch, you know, skip lunch, stay there with them, walk over, get the burger and come back, whatever it may be. But um, give them that opportunity. I think that that's important. So um, for me, I've had the opportunity to do a few things. One, um, we've looked at some different tactics and operations within the city and how we do stuff. Went to water on the fire, not something that would probably work in my district, but in my own city in a certain areas, I'd never really thought about booster backup. But you know what? Booster backup from Chief Isaacson down in the 850 um, might be something that would be good. We've talked about that as an option. You know, it's the audible. It's not the everyday play, but you Correct. know what? Here's, here's the trick play if we need it. So, you know, having the opportunity to interact with Chief Scott Thompson and to listen to Doug Mitchell and Cody Trestrail uh, down at Joey D in Long Island and to, you know, have dinner with, I had dinner with Tim Klett and Aaron Heller down there one night. And, you know, for as much joking around as Tim likes to do, we had a phenomenal conversation on company officer uh, tactics and leaderships within the firehouse, you know, and so I get the opportunity, I guess, to have these folks maybe on a little bit more of a speed dial. I get to go listen to lectures and see what the latest thing is. And then um, I get a chance to get some extra reps on drill grounds and try some different stuff out with the students. So I get to learn right alongside. And those opportunities are more valuable to me than uh, I think Mercedes even realizes. Where Before before your affiliation with Mercedes and doing the, con uh, the consultation work with them, were you doing conferences or did you ever seek external training prior? No. So you were never I, exposed to it then? No. I uh, Podcasts and the Weekly Scrap and your podcasts were what kind of got me going. And um, Kevin Fluger, who was with us there doing the project with yeah. Mercedes and uh, you guys at FDIC, you know, he turned me on to the Weekly Scrap. I think the very first one I listened to was uh, Kyle Romagus and the whiteboard and uh, talking about fire attack and, um, which which led to this thing I have, you know, the engine company rules of three. You know, it's from him and all these other people. I didn't I didn't come up with any of it, but I was able to organize it based on a lot of the stuff that those guys said. I think that sort of just started the um, the process. And you know, Mercedes wants to be involved in the fire service community, and they understand that you know what we need to be educating folks, and it's not about sales like we talked about, and they want to get that word out. So. You know, it started as a role of just going and demoing fire hose, and it's led into this, like, working with them on some training stuff and getting a chance to go to conferences and doing cool things like this, right? At the end of the day, you and I probably wouldn't have crossed paths, and I wouldn't have this cool opportunity to sit here and talk to you for an hour. That's a, It's 100% accurate, and and I, I talk about that so often, about putting yourself out there, getting out there, making relationships what that does, like, you know, we talked about it, the organic growth of the process. Let the process happen and see what doors open for you. And I can't stress that enough. I, I was, we were doing a podcast earlier today. Uh, I'm, I forget who this came up with, but the the con, the, the conversation basically went and, and rolled into talking about the importance of bettering yourself at these conferences. But part of that equation is making the relationships because when the job's over, 
The only thing you have left are those relationships. And, mm. and when you can, when you can surround yourself with great people that make you laugh, make you feel good and you make lifelong friends and brothers and sisters out of them, that's what truly matters, right? People like that push us individually to be better, which makes us a better teammate, which makes us a better company, which a better company makes a better department. So it really all, it's like dominoes falling one after another, and it just goes up the chain, but it also comes back down the chain too. And so, you know, that's what I think is important. So when we talk about letting that process happen, it's opening doors. And like, I'm, I'm grateful for getting to know you because when we were in the woodlands and I'm coming back around, I sat there and that was before we were doing FDIC together and, uh, and talking about a couple different things. And I was like, bro, I need you to have numbers. I need you to have your stuff squared away. And it, just talk about that interaction with you because that was our first meeting and you probably thought I was a real douche. Yeah, I think I probably did. And it's funny, you know, you you intimidated me then. You probably have intimidated me now. And I remember listening to your podcast uh, and I texted him afterwards. I texted Eric Allen. I'm like, you intimidated me when I met you the first time. And you yeah. are still now. Yeah. You know, um, but I realized, um, I guess maybe after that initial interaction, I kind of had an idea where you were going, right? You've always been someone since I've met you to sort of push me a little bit. And I've been fortunate to have a few of those kinds of uh, folks in my life, guys like you, um, Mick McCulloch, who's a lieutenant on the rescue company in Manchester, our assistant chief, Matt LaBoff. You know, they've kind of always been those folks that have pushed me a little bit out of my comfort zone. And uh, everyone out there, you know, we always say, you know, you need a mentor, whether that's within your own job. It's, it's great to have them outside of your own job. Too, yeah. So they've got a different perspective on. And quite honestly, um, I would even say the same thing about my wife. I'll talk to her about some things with the fire service because she couldn't care less about the fire service. And she looks at it from a totally different lens. And although I don't always want to hear what she has to say, it gives me a different perspective. And a lot of times uh, she's right. And um, so I appreciate that. So I would even encourage folks out there, find mentors outside of the fire service, someone that doesn't understand our culture, just to, you know, make sure that you check all those boxes and, you know, before you make the decision. I think it, so just a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. So listen, I, I don't, I'm, I don't claim to want to mentor what I do. And I'll be honest with you is I see value in people very quickly. I can walk into a room and read the room within 30 seconds. And I know mm-hmm. who's who, what the dynamics are, who I got to focus on, who I got to knock down a peg, who I got to boost up, who are the smart guys, who are the guys that are so good, but they don't know it and need to be pushed. You mm-hmm. are one of those guys. I do that to people because I see value in individuals and I go, this guy's got something special. I need, I feel like I need to push because I can, because I have that type of personality and I'm that, t- and I'm just that type that I love to push people to get more out of them because I think they have more in them than they know, or they, or they have more in them and they don't know how to deliver that. And so I don't mind being a little bullish or I don't mind pushing people a little bit more because the reason why, if you weren't worth it, I wouldn't push. I push guys that I think have so much to offer and bring so much to the table. I want to challenge them. Maybe challenge is a better word than push. I want to challenge them to, to get on it. And, uh, and I, Dave, I'll be honest with you. I've been impressed with you from the day we met. I think that you are a hundred percent genuine. I think that what you're doing, um, in the fire service is 
excellent. I think that you have the right focus on education and educating the community as to the importance of water movement and hose and nozzle <laughs> packages. I mean that. And I, I think I think that you have a very long career ahead of you and of being influential and making a difference in the fire service based on your knowledge and passion. And so, yeah, fuck yeah, man. I'm going to push you. And uh, and I hope that, you know, down the road, it uh, I, I get to smile and grin and go, yeah, well, he was worth the push. I mean, look at this guy. And I think you are. And I know you are. And uh, I just wish you nothing but incredible success with everything you have going forward, man. I really do. Well, I appreciate the kind words. You're uh, you're way too nice, and I do. I appreciate I appreciate the push and the challenge, and I really think that everyone needs that. And yeah, I think so. I think sometimes too. You know, I just I hope folks take a step back and they're able to look and go, hey, you know what? Is this person just being an ass to me, or are they trying to to move it forward? And I think that's what I realized after the first little interaction down there. That okay. I kind of see where this is going, and I probably need it. So, um, yeah, yeah, appreciate well, it. It's good. Uh, I, listen, it, 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 do you need it? No. Do I want to give it to you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I just uh, I like that. I like that. I do it. I do it with my kids. I push them, but I push them in a way that I think they need to be pushed. And and I do it with others. And and you know, I just. I like to be pushed and I like to be challenged. And there is an individual in my world now more so than ever. My wife's one, of course, but there's another guy in my world that only recently in the last year or two, I've gone to as the guy that pushes me. And I, and I reach out to him when I feel like I need to be pushed and he knows how to push me. And I freaking love that. And uh, I think I wrote down in my notes, I I do a one page of notes for every guest that I have in the same notebook. So this notebook, I can't wait to look back in this notebook in like 20 years and just see all these, all these guests (laughs) in the notes. And what I just wrote in big letters is push. We all need it. Mm. Find someone to push you. No doubt. And it doesn't need to be a mentor. It needs somebody that challenges you to make yourself better. Challenge is good. It's healthy. It makes you better. It makes you stronger. I agree with that. And to talk about organic relationships yep. and team building, you need that, right? A healthy uh, conversation and a healthy conflict is needed. And be okay with that, right? Understand that um, all groups are going to go through the same four things, right? The Tuckerman's group development, forming, storming, norming, and performing. There you go. Just understand it's going to happen, right? Guys are going to like in the beginning be like super good, and they're going to be super nice, and then they're going to start, like, angling for pecking order, and they're going to kind of see what they can get away with, and you're then that's that, like, initial rocky period that I had with my guys, and I don't think I was prepared for it. But looking back on it, I go, all right, like, we pushed, and we challenged, and we got on the same page, which then leads you to the norming, and all of a sudden, like, everybody's on the same page. They work through all the stuff. They got a, a better respect for each other. They're starting to build that trust, right? You're out drilling, um, maybe you're playing cards at night. You know, we do this thing where we go out every day, uh, one or two o'clock, whatever it may be. And we go get coffee and you can't talk about fire, right? It's gotta be all the kinds of stupid shit that firemen like to talk about. Like, Hey, there's the ice cream truck. What's the one novelty you're getting? Go, right? Choco, Choco <laughs> yeah. taco is the number one thing. Choco right? taco, <laughs> which I think they discontinued by the way. They did. I looked a couple of times this year. It takes, the a, ice cream takes a fat, it takes a fat guy to know that. Trust me. So love <laughs> yeah. Choco tacos. And what's really cool, and I'll end this part here with this, is, you know, the last part is performing. 
and you realize when you get to the fire ground and your guys step off the rig and you don't have to say anything and that's where we're at and, and don't get me wrong we're not cocky and we're not egotistical and what we talk about all the time and i tell them this all the time right um we don't know when that next bad fire is going to happen yeah we've you know what we've been successful and we've worked hard to be where we where we are right now but we got to keep pushing and there's going to be that fire that's going to challenge us and you know what we're going to screw up at some point but you know what we've hit that performing phase now and it's cool. You know what? Did I think that that was going to happen maybe 18 months ago or that I was going to have to go through it? No, I probably thought I was going to walk in. Everything was going to be great. Hey, I'm here. I never thought about putting myself in their perspective. And then looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, man, that healthy conflict and getting to know each other really leads to great um, success on the fire ground. It's awesome. And with that, my friend, an hour goes quick. It does. Thanks for letting me get that last part in. I of really course. wanted to talk about that with the, uh, with the relationships because I think it's just, it's, uh, you know, Google it. Tuckerman's development. Um, get something out of it. I'm writing it down. Tuckerman's <laughs> development. Tucker, yeah. Stages of group development. You got it. I appreciate man, it, man. Blast. I've been listening to this for a couple of years, and it, as I texted you, I didn't think at any point uh, I'd ever be – asked to talk to you for an hour. So um, I can't thank you enough for um, having me on, man. This is cool. You know, it's uh, like I, I said to you before we started, everybody has a story. And uh, whether you're from the biggest city or the smallest town and everything in between, what National Fire Radio is truly built on is sharing that passion, right? Make, bridging that gap, young and old, making the job better. And, you know, everybody's story matters. And uh, I think the last hour today with you has been fantastic. And on a day that I've done a bunch of podcasts today, <laughs> this has been a, just a, a fantastic conversation. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, that's my selfish, guilty pleasure is I get to talk with guys like you and constantly be reminded why the job is so good. And, uh, mm. brother, thank you for your time tonight, man. It, it's been an excellent conversation I appreciate um, you taking the time, but I also appreciate your friendship and your brotherhood. And uh, I'm very glad that we our paths have crossed because we both believe in the process. And that's why we're here today. And uh, I can only imagine where it's going to go from here. So, Dave, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks again. And uh, we still got to connect for that bourbon up here in uh, Bedford. We're going to do that. Uh, and we're going to talk offline because I'm going to be up there in the next few weeks. So uh, Perfect. talk right, to you man. in a minute on that. So hang out right here. Don't hang up. Let me sign off the air and then uh, I'm going to get right back to you. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Great. Thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the national fire radio podcast. Lieutenant Dave quick out of Manchester, New Hampshire is also a consultant with Mercedes textiles. You got any questions on hose and nozzle packages? He's a guy that you want to reach out. We'll put his contact information in the narrative. Thank you for tuning in and do me a favor. Take this conversation, share it, like it, subscribe to the podcast platform. We're trying to put out the very best from the very best so that we can educate and make this job better. Take this podcast, take it back to the kitchen table, break bread with your brothers and sisters and talk about the job because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.